At Push My Buttons Podcast, you can get all the gaming news, as well as information on latest releases and game reviews. You can also watch us play some of your favorite games, everything from Sonic the Hedgehog to God of War, on YouTube and Twitch. Follow us on all the social media and listen on all of your favorite apps. Just search for Push My Buttons Podcast. Think of the children! You must walk feminine, talk feminine, smile and beguile feminine, utilize your femininity. That's what every girl should know, if she wants to catch a bow. Oh, won't somebody please think of the children? Okay, first, I'm not a princess. I'm the daughter of the chief. Same difference. No. If you wear a dress and you have an animal sidekick, you're a princess. I think you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye, the movie podcast. We talk about movie franchises and their ups and downs. Here in season two, we're continuing to talk about Disney princesses and what it means about feminism and our culture. And this week, we have the the movie that tries to turn all of the bad princess tropes on its head uh enchanted so uh this was a interesting movie this was the first time seeing it for some of our gang uh for others of us like me this is near and dear to our hearts um but we've we've got the most of the gang here um let's let's start with Melissa Martinez our returning champ how are you doing? Why don't you start with me? Yeah. Oh. We're gonna start with yeah. You start with the only uh, non-white person. I feel like the the band, the mariachi band in in this movie. Oh, oh my the goodness! Ends in the whole thing. <laughs> there was some pandering in this movie. Racial pandering. And, uh, yeah, we're gonna have to talk about that. We gotta talk about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, not pandering at all, uh, just nepotism, just kidding, uh, here of their own accord, uh, my, my sibling kit, how you doing? Hello, I am well, and I am not currently in Andy's basement. No. Just so you guys know. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Sisters don't um, belong in basements. No, no, absolutely yeah. not. I mean, um, that put a whole new twist on that whole story that I don't want to get into. Exactly. <laughs> Another person who has never been into my basement, uh, Brookheim, how you doing? Hey, happy to be here, not in your basement. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's talk Enchanted. Uh, this movie came out in 2007. I saw it in theaters. Kit, I think you saw it in theaters. Probably, yeah. Melissa, had did when did you first see this movie? Mm, it wasn't in the theater. Um, it, it must have been when it came out, like maybe on cable or something. I don't know. Um, you know, back when people subscribed to cable, still remember, as their primary source of entertainment. Um, the year was 2012, and we watched cable television. <laughs> yeah. I got, this movie came out in 2012? 
no, no. I'm just I, oh, I'm I saying like that, <laughs> that's when it would have been on cable like all the time. And so I'm. I, 2007 was when was when this. Right. Came out. Okay, that sounds. Yeah, I, I yeah. know I didn't see it in theaters, but I I I did enjoy it for the most part. I know people love Amy Adams in this. She was annoying in some parts of it for me, but I overall did like the movie. It's a vast market improvement over past Disney princesses who y'all know I've had some deep issues with. Uh, yes. <laughs> and important issues. Um, but Brooke, you'd never seen this until this week. Correct. What were your first impressions of this movie watching it? Well, when it was over, I felt very much the same as I did when I finished watching uh, Top Gun Maverick. <clears throat> oh. I, as in, like, I got done and I felt like I enjoyed the experience and I was really annoyed with myself for that because there were definitely things that I was like, what the fuck? And that's kind of how I felt about this movie. I There were things that I enjoyed about it. There were things that I really didn't enjoy about it. Overall, I was impressed by Amy Adams' acting because I think she does it spot on for what they're trying to get her to do in the way that she's acting it out. And, right. and kind of the like very slight character arch that I feel like she has throughout the movie. Um, I think she... she plays the role well um and i love redheads we all know that so like i enjoyed the experience of it while at the same time um really not enjoying some of the parts of it is that fair i yeah yeah sure I like, I'm I'm gonna be, like no bro the dungeon you... after this because i know i was only supposed to like it but um no, yeah. you're everyone's allowed to definite, have everything. I have some definite uh, studio notes for this movie. Oh, okay. I'm interested to hear them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I unabashedly love this movie. Um, and I when it came out, um, I was I was very happy because I felt like, oh yeah, they finally like listen to all of the criticisms of you know what's wrong with disney princesses and both tried to deal with some of those while also the i think the the great thing about this movie and also it's achilles heel is it's trying to have it both ways it's it's trying to say yes we're turning these things on their head but also you kind of love these things too and um and so there's a lot of nostalgia that they built into this, even though this isn't a sequel to anything. This isn't, you know, Princess Giselle isn't from someplace else. Andalasia is not a movie in another or a, a setting in another movie. Um, but yet they're bringing in elements of like every other princess movie that they possibly can. Um, which I think is both genius and evil um so good good job disney um i found it very clever yeah and still like maybe that's why it's so sad it's clever but they missed the mark on a lot of things still and i was like oh yeah 
it's uh, well i don't know do we want to start talking about where we think they missed the mark the most because i think we can we could start there or we could start with what we think like worked well well i want to say overall that that this was progress for sure with disney Mm -hmm. but it, it didn't go as far as i'd like but considering that they still want their four quadrants and they still are in a business, you know, to make money. I, I know why they didn't go further. I know why this is still white and straight, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so if it's the year, you know, it, it, people just weren't quite as accepting still in 2007. Um, mm-hmm. So while I applaud the steps they took forward, there were also a few that just stayed the same. It was still stagnant. And so, but I feel like that's Disney overall. And, and I also felt like Giselle as a character is a stand in for Disney in this movie because she progresses quite a bit. There is actual character growth to this princess. But her happily ever after still involves a man, a straight white man, and, mm-hmm. and very little interaction with people of color. Um, and I feel like that's Disney in a nutshell, still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I don't and- think it meant for her to be like a proxy for the whole company. <laughs> but that's what she is. It, it's really true. It, it is emblematic of everything that that Disney's going through and you know and this is a weird transitional time for the company I mean as as I mentioned last week they're in this phase with all of these next few movies where they're trying to fix princesses for better or for worse and each step they they sort of make some progress but they're still like so far to go and um, they're they're trying to, you know, exactly like you said, Melissa, hit all of those four quadrants. They've got to sell the movie tickets to everybody. They've got to sell the merchandising to everybody. There's got to be a theme park ride tied into it. There's got to be something else. And um, this is them figuring out that like, oh, yeah, you know what? Like people don't want the old disney princesses we're hearing our critics and they do want they do want more um we're not quite ready to go fully into non-white disney princesses just yet but you know there are there are five black people in minor roles in this movie there is a mariachi band (laughs) Um, so there's a lot of like weird sort of tokenism around the edges and, um, that's, uh, the worst of which is the divorced couple or the divorced couple, the black couple. First of all, don't touch a black woman's hair, Giselle. Jesus. I don't care where you come from or how you are. Never, ever, ever. There are no exceptions to that rule. Yeah. So that's first and foremost, but second... You know, her over, you know, steady, like, you know, just being like, oh, does he know how beautiful you are? It just felt, I guess, because she was black and she was talking about her hair, 
and touching her hair. It just felt like pandering in the worst way. Um, which, uh, you know, indicative of Disney in a sense yep. too, you know? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, that and that her most praiseworthy quality is, does he know how beautiful you are mm-hmm. and how wonderful you are? And it's like, you know what, there's a lot more to women and people in general than how beautiful they are. But, you know, I know that that's a a competitive issue in America, well, and the internet, so around the world. um, Yeah. That that deeply invades our psychology. I'm sorry for interrupting, but I just had to interject that. I wish that we could give them enough credit to think that they did that on purpose as part of her progression, right? Like, I, I feel like they did a very obvious job of that with um, Prince Edward, where he comes down, he's like, but she's beautiful and we sing songs. And then he kind of, his progression is, I feel like- Magnet. Yeah. Eh, not, he not doesn't He there. doesn't really progress that right, much. Right, it's just yeah. not really there. Um, but she starts to understand the value of people beyond the singing and just having met and like i feel like they tried to bring that out but i don't think that that was intentional for this particular scene i wish that it were um i wish she had come back and said has he also seen how much you put into the marriage and the house and how hard you work and these these are like to show but she didn't know that woman so how could she like it was just mm-hmm. right the whole thing was very surface level. And I, again, I wish they were smart enough to have like been able to do that intentionally and then show growth there, but I don't feel like they did that. Yeah. This movie's really hard to get a beat on. And I think that that is part, part and parcel of how it was made. And um, this is a tiny rabbit hole. There's not a giant long um, story behind this here, but this movie this movie was in development for almost a decade. Uh, and while it only has one credited writer, went through at least five different rewrites, only one of whom was a woman. And um, it's very obvious that they tried to do a lot to this movie and stick a lot of things into it. And so you get Disney corporate mishmash. And while I think... I think there is still like a good through line through this movie about like old princesses, silly. We're winking at that. We understand that women need to be much more than that. And they can be self-actualized in other ways. And so we have the, the growth of this character, but there are still problematic elements because I, I mean, I don't know. There's, there's no perfect representation in media and neither would I expect there to necessarily have some to come out of a corporation like Disney. I just don't feel like that's, that's actually in their mission. They are in the business of making money and this, this satisfies that because they know that there's money in poking fun at princesses while also having that cake as well. Um, that being said, I do I do think that like Giselle as a character is charming, at least. Well, okay, let me take that back a step. Giselle in Act One and Two is charming but annoying. 
in Act Three, I think she's wonderful. Um, I think she has she has learned some things, and you know, and and there is some growth there. And she's one of my more favorite Disney princesses because I do think that there is something like good to that, even though there's you know there's a lot to be said for for Disney princesses. Can I ask, I want to verify that I understand this correctly. For the four quarters, you need to be able to put butts in seats, sell merch, and then have theme park tie-in. And what else for Disney? What was the fourth quarter? Oh, um, Melissa, do you want to explain four quarters? Or I, I can if you want to. It, you brought it up. Yeah. So. The four quadrants. It, yeah, four it's, quadrants. It's actually people, types yeah. of people. Okay. He can explain it better than me. It's not, it, it, although I wouldn't doubt if there was another quadrant that, that's something like what you just said, um, because it, it's all, you know, connected. You know what I mean? Not yeah. to bring up Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Marvel, but, you know, it's all connected. <laughs> the, yeah, the four <laughs> quadrants, it's like imagine all people on two axes, age and gender. And the four quadrants are male and female under 13, above 13. And, uh, you know, first of all, uh, that is a binary view of gender, and but that is, I'm sure, how Disney, Disney. Disney's <laughs> looking at it. Gender binary, I mean, this movie, I mean, well, there's not a lot of Disney non-binary stuff in there, but yeah, uh, yeah. but that's, you know, so if you hit all four quadrants, then you get Men above 13, below 13. Women above 13, below 13. And oh. uh, so, like, when you're doing test screenings of movies, mm -hmm. you're looking at the demographics. And, like, if people like it in all four quadrants, then they're like, well, that's a hit. you got kids and adults. You've got men and women. So, so I think, like, based on the demographics that we're, we're talking about, um, I think you... Everybody that I've seen this, or that, that I know that has seen this movie or shown this movie to their kids has said, had something positive to say, although they do tend to raise that it's like still kind of problematic going back and watching it nowadays. But one thing that I, I think like is different than a lot of the Disney princesses is that Giselle has pretty much disappeared. Like all the other Disney princesses are in a parade at Disneyland right now. Giselle is nowhere to be found. All their merch and dresses are on sale in the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. And like, you can be pretty much anybody. It's like, why is the only, like, well, I guess like not quite princess, but almost was a princess. Uh, you know, why is the only one who's interested in, in like learning about science and women in math and STEM, like, why is she the only one who's nowhere to be found? Oh, and Merida. Like, you don't see much Merida merch either. No. And well, I think part of that, I, I seem to remember reading something that um, the reason why Giselle isn't a part of the proper Disney princess, whatever you want to call it, um, mm -hmm. is because since she does, she's a live human, play, you know, like a, originated as a, as a human with the mm -hmm. human actress, they couldn't trademark Amy Adams's image. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. They'd have to. They'd have to pay her likeness rights for 
any merch that they put. I want the dress shop to sell a dress made out of curtains. I think that's interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it seems like they would do that. And I mean, they are making a sequel now. And people seem very excited about that. I would not be surprised if there are other merchandising tie-ins when when that comes out. So you Did can nobody get... else get any um, Gone with the Wind vibes from that, though? Oh, the oh, hoop yeah. skirt? Yeah. And the curtains. The curtains. And the curtains yeah. for Sound of Music? Yeah. Yeah. Throwback. Yep. Not a good one, at least not with Gone with the Wind. <laughs> yeah. It's... it's uh, Yeah, I, well, I mean, Sound, sound of Music, great. But yeah, yeah, Gone with the Wind, not great. But Man. um, yeah, no, there, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in here. Um, it's it's tying into iconography from all over the place to try to, you know, make that perfect amalgam of uh, of what a Disney princess is slash should be. Um, so, uh, yeah, of of course, there's going to be that stuff. Uh, here's here's an interesting tidbit. I mentioned that this movie went through several drafts. The the initial draft um, from uh, this movie is cre- uh, credited to uh, the same writer as the the movie Blast from the Past with uh, um, what's Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser. Yeah, Brendan. The same writer as that is is. Your mouth, that movie's great. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, but in the original script, when Giselle came to New York, uh, she was mistaken for being a stripper. Wow! And this had like a decidedly like R-rated uh, tinge on it, and uh, Disney bought it, and they're like, "Well, that's going. We're not. We can't possibly have a." have an R-rated princess who people think is a stripper. Um, but funny when she's, you know, coming out all covered with glitter. But, like, if you're in Times Square <laughs> and you're covered with glitter, uh, there's probably only one place that you got that from. Um, and not from the craft store. I'm just really glad okay. it was the, the screenwriter uh, of in, uh, not Encino Man, rather Blast from the Past. It could have been oh. worse. Brendan Fraser was. There you go. Well, well, he- hey, uh, welcome, welcome, JB Flinders. Thank you for uh, letting me nap and then join a little late. It's good to hear everyone. You just slid in there like you came out of a man. <laughs> <laughs> he is covered in glare, just that's, so you know. The, the chipmunk <laughs> let me here. So, yeah. Shiny yeah. Edward, are you a vampire? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that's about the same time frame as this movie. That would uh, that would work. That works. Well, I'm handsome. I'm handsome even um, when I sleep. I'm told. So it was a good tie-in. JB, <laughs> <laughs> when when did you first see oh this movie? Oh my gosh, I feel like I saw it. I didn't see it in the theater, but I feel like I saw it a little bit after that. Um, probably on a date or something like that but 
you know, it was funny because at the time, this yeah, at, I, I think there was a couch involved. Maybe, maybe I went a little further north and ha- watched it at Broovies. Um, but no, I remember it was funny because I think that we talked about that. Like there was this period in the 2000s. I think everybody kind of like I didn't see a lot of the Disney stuff because um, it wasn't in my purview. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember going, this one's really like this is what I wanted a Disney film to be, right? Because it's sort of the parody, um, self-aware princess kind of movie, and it's just really well casted. Um, but yeah, I would have pr- mm-hmm. I probably a year or two after, and I really liked it, and I hadn't seen it again um, since then, which is strange because it's something I'll probably watch more in the future. So. Yeah, we we had this on in like regular rotation with um, when when my kids were much younger. Giselle was probably, you know, they I think they liked Enchanted more than um, most of the other like contemporary princesses. But um, is there a Disney ride around this one? No, No. there should be a bus stabbing ride. I would totally do that one. (laughs) Just land on a bus and stab it someone yells at you splash mountain with glitter like it could be an effect on the tram from the parking lot where it's like oh no what's that sound <laughs> bum, 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 bum. Ah, get off get off you prince edward sorry guys prince edward is stabbing exactly. the tram see that's what i'm and, you know Everything gets dark and you come out of a manhole covered in glitter. I would love the glitter ride. Splash Mountain with glitter. The problem is that then you would be walking around like it's sea- like SeaWorld. If you get splashed by Shamu, you are going to oh, stink yeah. all day. Like you get splashed with glitter water and, in, in, you know, in Flash Mountain and you're going to be covered in craft yeah. herbs. Yeah, you too. And it's, it's gonna smell, smell like Caribbean and not it's not smell good. better than the walrus, that's for sure. You'd smell like a snow globe all day, like those ones at the gas station that have the weird icky water that gets on your fingers. <laughs> I like how we're inventing terrible ideas for Disney rides and merchandise right now. This is great. Still better than some of their movie ideas. Oh hell yeah. Yeah. Um well, yeah, let's, uh, but I, again, I would be surprised if there isn't something that they're going to do with this when, when the new one comes out. It seems like they are up to, you know, get, get every last dollar possible out of, out of their old IP. And now, and now, uh, ironically, you know, this movie's 15 years old now. So, um, you know, that's, uh. You know, I guess it's time to to reboot it, sequel it, and give it a theme park ride. So, yeah, I will say of all of the animal sidekicks, Pip is oh, now my sure. favorite. Pip is great. <laughs> Pip's fucking awesome. I oh, want to say I want a chipmunk that can do charades with me like that. <laughs> I like how he starts off with like, "I'm a hard scrabble New York kind of guy," and then when he's a, the, just a chipmunk, he just has the little chipmunk voice. <laughs> a little funny. like when he does the Giselle uh, impression, yeah. and he's yeah. like, 
I've been dreaming of a true love's And then, that's my favorite, that game of charades. <laughs> it was like, do you want this apple? She's like, no, thank you. It's good. Okay. <laughs> you know, speaking of merch, I would buy the shit out of those poison apples. It like, God, those apples look so good. It went straight through the helmet and burned the guy's hair. <laughs> <laughs> is that what happened in your hair? Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Find us that farmer's market. That would be awesome. Where is that farmer's market to get those apples? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Do you think can poison apples just come out of nowhere? Do you think they grow on trees? Yeah. Uh, I That apple teeny is like the most insane shade of red I've ever seen. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a beverage that color. If you like do, that. don't drink it. Yeah, it's obviously cool. poison I mean. apple teeny. <laughs> Good times. Um, okay. Music? Do we want to talk about great, the songs? Great song. I was humming the song like three hours later, and I was like, oh, well that stuck with me. Which one? She <laughs> loves Kiss. Uh, yes. Yeah. As I was driving down the street with my daughter, she was like, "What? What are you singing? I don't even know. Sorry, I got no words. I just have a tune." True loves kiss. How <laughs> <laughs> even the troll like starts joining in. It's good times. <laughs> I love the. And I hate that I loved it so much, but I really did enjoy the um, the whole sequence in Central Park. That's what's the song that's called? How you know. That's yeah. how you know. Uh, or that's how you know. know. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's like the only the only Mexicans I saw in the whole place was you know the mariachis there, and then you know it it steals little parts of different cultural songs like the mariachis and and you know um, reggae and stuff, and so and that's just like some of the few examples of those people you know like because this is just a very white movie and yeah. so i kind of hate that i like it but it's catchy as fuck you know it's so good yeah, yeah. It's, it's this giant like show-stopping number where they've got you know you've got the reggae guys you've got uh you've got like the brides and grooms that are dancing you've got the old people dancing and like suddenly everybody comes together and it's like if you're if you're watching this through like Patrick Dempsey's eyes and he's like wait they know that's the song my favorite line wait that's everybody knows the song it's such a disney moment where the the guy who's not in the disney world is like he knows this song too what the hell's going on here that's like that would be us in every disney song like everybody Why knows it already you bend reality with music why is everybody suddenly dancing? Where where did this choreography come from? But it's like it's this great musical number. It's so good. I love it. That's my yeah. That's my favorite part of the movie. Too. So what year did this movie come out? Two thousand seven. I'm going backwards just a little. Two thousand seven. So that's yeah. post Seinfeld. Yes. Obviously, but during Friends. No, Friends ended. Post Friends. So post friends during yeah. How I Met during Your Mother. Yes, I, I thought wait. How You Met How I Met Your Mother was later. Mm -hmm. Am I missing that? Later, that one's more like 2010s. It's more like Lost and um, 
Yeah. Oh, golly. I can't remember what else I was watching. I was mostly just wondering because Seinfeld, How I Met Your Mother, Friends, all of those incredibly painfully, stupidly white TV shows that happen in New York City with no other culture. So I was wondering if it was like. You've got Mad Men, you've got Gossip Girl, you've got Chuck, Californication. Yeah. so we've got this whole portrayal on on television and media of New York City without having a full representation of what New York City is, except for these like one-offs, like the the musical number where you get some other culture in there. When New York is yeah known for its culture, I wonder if that's part of why it was so easy to make an all-white New York City movie with no one really batting an eye at it. Well, I yeah, I mean that, but that's. I mean, but that's still what happens. I mean, this right. movie could come out today and people would would be like, oh, okay, yeah. You know. But oh. I guess my point is, do you think that media has been like... Well, that's a stupid question. Never mind. Of course it has <laughs> No, it, it's I mean... whitewashing everything, getting us used to just seeing white people in it. It's just... It's shameful. Right. right. So. Yeah. And, and most of the people of color in this movie are in they're either bit parts or they are yeah. all lower class all the white people are like rich and wealthy and it seems i mean i guess the the black couple who's divorcing potentially has some money because they're able to hire this like high-end this high-end yeah divorce lawyer and when well, he's got a hank aaron rookie card but you know so what anyway, would he, would he um, I've but, never watched any of those shows, by the way. They all, it has bothered me so much. What would his nickname be? What would his nickname be in this? McLawyery? Mc, 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 oh, yeah. What did I call him while we were watching McAttorney? him. I think I called him, it wasn't McDonald's. I called him something while I was watching the show. He's McBoring is what he is. Yeah. He's just like, what a... Uh, like, like, all it, the princesses in these movies, why do the princesses... What What is the attraction? I don't understand. Well, it's like, I kind of like James Marsden. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, he's <laughs> stupid, but like, the Prince Edward, he's kind of fun, but like, Mc, oh, I called him McDiva. That's oh, a good one. McDiva. <laughs> McDiva. Yeah. yeah, I just. He's. I mean, but that's like the manic pixie dream girl trope. Is. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, here comes this person into my life who's so full of life and she's going to wake me up from my midlife crisis and now I'm not going to be grumpy anymore because a woman fixed me. And. I'm going to call him. Uh, I'm going to call him Nick so Hamlin. In in homage to Harry Hamlin from LA Law cuz he's got he's got the haircut okay. he's like a Mick Hamlin so but yeah it, he he really is i mean <laughs> she, she picked the wrong like i mean i i guess but but the two characters that were the most fun ended up together anyway right cuz like yeah cuz yeah, Nancy exactly. and Edward like, like they're super like, fun that's... can i make a really horrible okay. joke Sure. Adina Menzel was awesome, but she ended up being a Jewish American princess, and I kind of found that hurtful. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. 
that they, they went straight for that trope, but um, maybe I'm the only one who noticed that. No, but also, I, I don't know. It, at the same time, I was just like, oh, it's Adina Menzel. Steven Schwartz wrote the music for this. This is just like, oh, well, let's let's put her let's put her in the Disney movie because she's so hot on Broadway right now rather than like you know, being able to actually build something around her. But you know, I don't know. Yeah, I I agree with you. Um but yeah. I I mean, they could have they could have done more for building. a song. They I'll talk about that. Song. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about is... that more in studio notes because I had like a song in my head. Yeah, how do you have Adina Menzel in the movie and she doesn't sing? Like that is the weirdest thing in the in the world. I don't get Nick it. Diva, it was his fault. It is. I mean, it's it's the worst crime against musical theater. Well, I can't say since the Matrix rebooted, but I was waiting for the musical number in in Matrix rebooted and was also disappointed. I did not expect a musical number in Matrix Rebooted, although that would have been fun. It would have been like a, a Rammstein cover of The Cure or something. Yeah. You don't have <laughs> Jesse St. James play your bad guy without giving him a musical number? Jeez. Okay, side note, Kit, what would your Rammstein Cure cover be? Which song would you choose? Oh, I'm, I'm going man. back and forth between mm. Lullaby and Friday, I'm in love just for the sheer comedic effect of, of hearing Rammstein go, Monday <laughs> you can fall apart, right? <laughs> for some reason, I feel like Rammstein, I'm in love would be a great. Friday, I love. <laughs> <laughs> well, Friday, oh, I'm in love. You missed out, Matrix. You had your chance. And uh, I, I think they should have just done a, a mashup of you know because he's because he's King George. They should have done like a a mix of that and uh, and Dracula of uh, you know um, like a, a a pop ballad version of dig through the ditches and burn through the witches and so you have you have Rammstein do Friday I'm in love and you have <laughs> some like the Jonas Brothers have the, yeah have the Jonas Brothers do that yeah Dragula by Nick Jonas and, I, and then I just want a a straight up ballad of dream on but maybe with like things that are just about the matrix but that's again a different podcast yeah. Okay. Well, when we do, when we do eventually get to the Matrix in like uh, five years from now. Then, okay, then that gives me time to work for... on my ukulele. Yeah. And arrangement for the song. Everybody remember yeah. June twelfth when we called Rammstein doing a song in the next Matrix movie, <laughs> and we all called it. I'm just saying. Precious okay. geniuses. Mark it down. Mark it down. All right. Hey. Bond was taking their ideas from us, so it's gonna happen. Oh yeah. Interview to right, sure. a kill. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right. Um, any other um, any other thoughts about the music? 
I I will just add also that I think that it was it's great because you, you definitely start off with like true love's kiss and it's your very like Disney Disneyish thing and you have the the working song yada 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 the last song in the movie is just like a traditional modern ballad so close and I I like how it progresses because again I think it speaks to like the the structure and the theme of this movie by the time Giselle is in act three she's not singing the princess songs anymore someone else that's that's coming from somewhere else but it's still this like beautiful um this beautiful ballad um so i guess that that dude is uh the mrs potts of this movie so um but but i like that i thought that was that was nice i feel like the music is the one thing that i really just didn't have criticisms of besides adina Mitzel not singing the music itself, I thought. Okay, so I think that was an, that was one of the reasons I was getting all passionate. It's like, where's the Giselle dresses? Where's the Von Trapp number? Um, I think that it was very cool how they took Giselle through, almost through like the history of princess dresses with her outfits, where she started off in the giant hoop skirt and I, I wish, uh, Andy, do you want to say what you mentioned about walking through LA or not LA Manhattan pedestrian traffic that was, cause that was a really funny joke and sets up my joke really well. Oh yeah. Just, I, I should also point out in 2007, we were living in New York and, um, I commuted every day from the Bronx down to union square and, uh, can definitely testify that that is what midtown pedestrian traffic is like especially in and around times square holy cow watch out and you better you better be ready to to walk with that flow of traffic or you're gonna get run the fuck over so i said that walking in a giant effing hoop skirt is very much like they showed in the movie as well that was (laughs) That was very accurate. Like, if you are not careful, you will fall through a doorway or down some stairs or get stuck. Um, and everything will just turn into a giant cluster. Uh, so, yeah, there. I think that, you know, as as much as they can walk around in, uh, is it Gone with the Wind? It's like, oh, no, they don't make doorways wide enough for the skirt anymore. Um but they, I really liked how they took her from like the giant F off skirt where it was, she was basically all dress um, down to something like that was, you know, kind of a, I'm going to say a 1950s princess mashup where she, after <laughs> like when she made the, the, the sheet dress. Um, Cause I think the, I think the, the, sorry, going backwards. The, the curtains dress kind of reminded me of like uh, Pride and Prejudice and some of those other like, you know, Regency where they're not quite about princesses, but they're, you know, they're still about like romance and love. Um, and then she ended up in that completely modern number, which, which like 
I missed the first five minutes of the movie, so I went back and watched the first five minutes. And it's interesting to me that the modern number dress is the most like what Giselle is wearing in the beginning. So like left to her own devices, she would probably have picked or made a dress like that if she wasn't trying to impress other people is my thought. Um, and so I liked that by the end, she was showing that she was more herself by wearing something more streamlined and fitted and simple, but also gorgeous. Um, and also the, um, the tea kettle man that she makes in the first sequence is wearing uh, McDiva's jacket. Yeah. So I just thought that was cute. Aw, that is cute. Yeah. And I know you'll you'll have some more to say about the the costumes later in studio notes. We we talked about this, but um, yeah, the the costumes in this were were so interesting and I think really fit. Um, I I like yeah, I like what everyone was wearing. I thought uh, all of Nathaniel's clothes were were very fun too. He kept I think he got <laughs> costume changes of everything, and he. His outfits kept getting sillier and sillier. Like, uh, no, is is free Apple Day? <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, you weirdo, what are you doing now? I was like, oh, it's free Apple Martini. His his costume. Everyone keep giving you free stuff. Yeah, weird. And, and how they how they don't notice it's the same guy. So. <laughs> Again, this a little. This is another problem about classism in in Disney. Nobody pays mm -hmm. attention to this era. Yeah. Um, but shout out to to that actor who played him, who's also uh, Peter Pettigrew in the um, in the Harry Potter movies. Um, he did a great job here, and actually, like that that could have been a very thankless role, and I think he he just like knocked it out of the park and actually like brought some pathos into it. And he, in, in some ways has like the, one of the best character arcs of anyone in the movie. Um, in fact, I, you know, neither, neither McDiva nor um, James Marston really actually do a lot of growing in this movie, but he does. He's like the only, the only male character who really has some interiority and uh and growth which is i don't know um you know we should we should have more of that for the female characters too but uh, often the complaints in these movies is oh the the princes are so underwritten they don't have any uh you know we don't know anything about them and he actually had something and i thought it was pretty great um how about susan sarandon as Queen Nerissa. What'd y'all think of her? I'm, yeah, I'm trying to think of a bad Susan Sarandon role. Uh. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I hated, I hated Nerissa's whole arc yeah. and motivation and like everything that she says about aging. But Susan Sarandon Terrific. made her fantastic. Totally agree. Yep. I didn't, I, I agree. I love the way that she played what she was given. 
I didn't understand why in a movie where they're trying to show things in a different light that she had the same old trope with no... Yeah. So it just, I, I it just didn't do... Like, that. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I think Melissa answered that because I remember thinking, like, this is Disney's apology, but also this is Disney's statement of, like, this is our mission. This is how we're moving forward. Um, and... So, but I think that they used a lot of those same old tropes to show that we're, we're moving forward a little bit, but you know, just, just to make the, we're that one quadrant of, of females over 13 happy. <laughs> so they'll shut up and take their kids to our movies and theme parks. And I think and, that's why they started it animated. And it's like the traditional, animation that we saw like the 2d type you know because they could already have done like more you know modern like pixar type stuff but they chose in my mind to purposely do the old-fashioned 2d it mm -hmm. even looked kind of aged at the beginning you know what i'm saying it and then went into life and into the live sequences um it almost like they were telling us their intentions from the start like you know this is still old school disney but we'll modernize it to shut y'all up on social media you know what i mean like that's sort of like what i took away from it yeah yeah stop totally. writing about us on myspace <laughs> 2007 all those myspace reviews of this movie all yeah. those myspace blogs and feminists had to be had to be mollified all the tumblr posts and uh yeah um, and, and microblog sites. Yeah. One of the, I mean, I've, I've talked about this before on the podcast, how I feel like it, it feels like one of the problems with, um, movies that are trying to be feminist, uh, emphasis on the trying, uh, today, like right now is this need to put a button on it where when they, when they're doing something, they have to tell you. And they're like, because I'm a strong female and I'm allowed to do this. And um, I feel like this movie falls into that trap a little bit. Where at the very, very end, she's like, oh, why, it's the brave little princess coming to rescue you. I guess that makes you the damsel in distress, huh, handsome? And it's like, see, we're telling you that we're we're trying to subvert that trope because we don't trust you as the audience to get that it's subversive. We have to tell you and bonk you over the head and be like, see, we're being feminist. And it feels weirdly performative. Um, and I, I don't know. That's I, and it's typical at Disney, right? I mean, they don't trust their audience. They've never trusted their audience. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, how dare you, like, we don't think that you'll be able to think about this. So we have to tell you that this movie is bonking you over the head with this right now. And I, as much as I like it, I like what they were doing. I could have, I could have definitely dropped that line. And um, it's like, okay, it's nice you're telling us, but I feel like that set the, set the stage for, you know, the last decade and a half of a lot of people doing that. So, uh, 
Brooke? So can I ask then, because I'm really thinking about this, like, when we look at the, the four quadrants and we look at how, if we take it as an example of like where we're going, where Disney's coming from, Giselle is Disney where it's transitioning to, are we saying that that last quadrant of older women just doesn't get to progress or change, that they're still putting us in the same peg hole? Well, I mean, technically Giselle is that age and so is Nancy. It's, I mean, they're over 13. So older women though, I mean, there's a whole, oy vey, we could do an entire podcast series about women aging in Hollywood and right. Hollywood not wanting, you know, it's like, oh, you're 35. Sorry, I guess you're an old maid now. You don't, you know, you don't get to be beautiful anymore. And um, uh, also specifically, can, I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, no, can I interrupt? Yeah. Uh, also specifically, women who are in power are are targeted and called out as bad guys. Like, notice how like she's the queen, and her motivation is she has to hang on to her crown and her power, not because of, like she doesn't really have a mission other than like keeping the crown. And it it kind of reminded me of like. Regina in um, Oh Golly, Once Upon mean a Time. Girls? Oh, oh. No. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also okay. with Mean Girls. Um, but like, you you have this evil queen and it's like, well, why is she evil? Well, because she's powerful. Well, why is she powerful? Because she's evil. Um, and, yeah. and, it's, and it's like, I felt like they could have done more to make that interesting. Um, you know, it could have been James Marsden's, I don't know, sister, brother, non-binary twin that wants to, wants to rule and overthrow him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that, that was going to be my next question is that like, we've got those two that are over 13, obviously, but it seems like this, the powerful woman, the, the mother the person who has to be the disciplinary, the the one that is coming, like that's the one that they're saying, no, you're just bad. Just, just give it up. Stop being bad. Release your power. Release any sort of like. I felt like they could have kept the bad guy being the ogre that was trying to eat her, and given it a different spin that way. I, I appreciate being an ogre in New York. It's so good. <laughs> I appreciate that um, the stepmom was in there. I just feel like it could have had a, a bigger arch and there could have been more movement there instead of it just staying bad. Yeah. You're, you're just always going to be the bad guy who is limited in your view and needs to be dead like the the dead parent thing is just over it well and it's uh you know that's that's one of the things that they don't try to rescue or try to fix it's like oh the evil mm -hmm. queen it's you know this is maleficent this is Snow powerful White. women are just evil yeah just, powerful just women stay that way don't and trust them. It, yeah yeah if you don't want to be evil then don't be powerful and they and they also try to point make it a point with like uh Giselle's naivete when she's talking with Morgan 
and she's like, oh, Nancy's going to be my stepmom. And she's like, well, stepmoms can be nice. And, you know, I, I'm going to have a stepmother and I've never met her, but I assume she's great. And it's like, whoa, 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 time out. And meanwhile, like we as the audience, we know that like she's evil. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, but the stepmom is still evil. And I, I think the only thing that like barely, barely redeems that is that Giselle ends up becoming Morgan's stepmother. And um, that that is seemingly like a joyous uh, family unit afterwards. But Right, but like she, it's only joyous because she's not powerful. She's not trying to overstep him. She's not like, I felt like Nancy was a woman who had her own voice and she was still made out to be the stepmom that wasn't going to be understanding or compassionate or right. like the just Nancy could have been a powerful, compassionate, loving, beautiful stepmom. And even that was just reduced down to like Kit said, the a new princess. Yeah. And the strength there was taken like it just that that part of the storyline really really got me that the stepmom didn't get to have any arch that it was still powerful women are evil and if you want to be a good woman then you have to be more naive and sing yeah or you weren't a good woman yeah yep but susan sarandon though does a great job she does a great job <laughs> she's like if she had a mustache she'd be twirling it I love it when she shows up and Nathaniel's sitting there in the cab, like talking to the the chat show, and she's like, "Hello, worthless," and I'm like, "You are so evil. I love it." I don't know. I I like that. <laughs> I guess other people did not find that as joyous as I did. Um, well, no, the, the best part was that it's you have to sit down and have a have a one on one. And see how she really feels about you. And then she comes in and says, hello, worthless. Yeah. So it's just so such a well-written line. Yeah. It's so good. Um, yeah. All right. Um, what have we not covered? Um, I think we've, we've gotten to pretty much everyone. Except Morgan. Morgan's a wonderful child. I love her so much. She's just like, oh, you're like the perfect kid that only exists in Disney movies. But Haha, <laughs> <laughs> ha, take that. But take that, that children like of kid. the listening world. You're, you'll never be as good as a made-up Disney child. Don't even try. <laughs> <laughs> But real children, but that's not what yeah, real never. kids are like. Real kids are imperfect and they're, you know, and she is, you know, at least she doesn't, she isn't like either, kids are usually written to either be A, really, really stupid and everything has to be explained to them or B, utterly precocious and they're like little adults and they're annoying. Um, Morgan at least feels like a real kid. Um you know, it was like when she's sitting there in the spa and she's like, and you know how boys are and how they only want one thing. And she's like, what's that? I don't know. And nobody will tell me. 
and they just both look at each other. They're like, oh. <laughs> That's like kind of cute. Really cute. But she's so good hearted, and I don't know. She feels like an actual child, which well, I, I think is good. And for a kid who has lost their mother, like, they actually wrote her very well for, like, a, a child who's been through trauma and is striving for perfectionism and loss of love and trying to be right. accepted. So, yeah. In that sense, she she's very accurate to a kid who would have gone through those things. Yeah. Agreed. I I also just like that she has diverse interests as a as a what nine year old, because you know I remember being nine and there's like the stuff that your parents want you to like and so you like it because it's like well okay that's I hate to admit that that's cool but it's pretty cool, um, and that she was taking karate but she also liked princess stuff and she was willing to go to bat for like hey I'm interested in this and I can like both things and still be a really smart, empowered person. Right. Yep. I like Morgan. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm excited to see uh, in the sequel, Morgan should be like 20 something yeah, 24, now, I think. I think they're doing a 15 year, right? Yeah. Yeah, something like that, so. I mean, if this movie comes out, and it, I don't know if it's the same actress. I haven't seen what they've done, or even if the character of Morgan will be back. Um, I hope so. I hope so. This is going to be the one where we get an evolved stepmother who isn't just power hungry and horrible, but they still have some dissonance. And yeah, it's going to be an evolved, an evolved cast. I'm interested in seeing how Amy Adams shows up. Like what? how much growth has Giselle like made in 15 years, like working in the fashion industry in New York, even with, even with unpaid animal labor, I'm sure that like times have been rough and uh, she's had to go up against her share of creeps. Um, so I wonder if she's at all hardened by any of that or, or jaded. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what, what they end up doing in a, I hope she secretly ends up working for Meryl Streep and we get the Devil Wears Enchanted Prada. Oh my goodness. That would that's a crossover I would want to see. I was thinking more of like a sex in the city sort of thing where she's running around New York with her squad of fabulous gays. That would be wonderful. Yeah. And like, like on the sides of buses, you know. Yeah, and if they could please go to I don't know, Washington Heights or the Bronx or um, areas of Brooklyn that haven't been gentrified yet where there are some people of color. You know, Chinatown. Um, you know, please, a bit more representation. Of, All of us. Not just. We not could just probably throw Candyman in there. There's your bad. <laughs> yeah. Forget the troll. <laughs> Candyman versus Giselle, <laughs> who's going to win? Theme, theme song by Rammstein. Maybe Giselle gets to be the bad guy in this one and has to go through an arc where she realizes she's an entitled white princess and was like, I need to go get back to what, you know, who people actually are 
and and you know visit these different areas of New York as a fashion designer and you know get woke that's that's the movie I'll take it with her squad of gays yes I'd um, love to see her as the evil stepmother now who has to go through a reckoning of re- realizing that parents are human and that maybe she judged her other stepmom too harshly and that now she's the bad guy and that life is just an evolution Ooh. giving grace and compassion and her and her boring lawyer husband never joins in on the songs and yeah. and when candy man sends the beans she sings <laughs> to them and brooke knows my language <laughs> there's always room for candy man in a good princess movie <laughs> Candy and ultimately, man. she loves his hook and kisses <laughs> him because only lips kiss. Only lips touch. Come with me. Please bring the bees. Right, Andy? <laughs> Lay on the grass. Let us pass. Yeah. Uh, right. um, that was I enchanted, say? if you ask me. No, I like that idea, though, where she's the... Now she, the shoe's on the other foot, right? And she has to deal with that. I like that idea. Yeah. With her squad of gays. That's a great idea. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else? Or should we head into box office and studio notes? Okay. Uh, this movie, as I said, uh, came out in 2007 on November 21st, uh, which is uh, that that thanksgiving week um just by the by uh this this is this this is a pattern disney is kind of owning this week in 2007 2009 2010 with this princess and the frog and tangled um and then oh wow um this is all the same week that frozen moana and frozen 2 all come out in uh in theaters as well is all that um, that week before Thanksgiving seems to be a very princess weekend. Um, this movie made quite a bit of money, uh, one hundred and twenty-seven point seven million, and an additional two hundred and twelve point seven at the international box office. Um, again, adjusted for inflation, um, that domestic is one sixty-nine point six. So, I mean, this is making a lot of money. Um, this isn't the hugest, hugest movie ever, but um, a very, very big hit. And at a time when, uh, as I mentioned last week, Disney wasn't doing princess movies anymore. And where they were in this weird transitory period where they're like, what are we doing? What kinds of movies are we even making anymore? Um, this was you know a big signal that actually hey disney you you can do the princess thing as long as you're doing it um you know with at least winking a little bit so uh that seemed to work out for everybody studio notes who's got studio notes i know we've touched on some of them already I mean, um, my biggest one was that we needed more people of color and not in a pandering way or not just borrowing from their music or culture, like in that one, you know, uh, song. 
Um, yep. I mean, there, there's got to be somebody like an Asian person or a Mexican they can socialize with. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or, but at least lives in their building or something. I mean, Jesus. You know, um, the only like people of color who had d- a decent amount of speaking lines were like divorcing. You know. Yep. Um, which which just goes hand in hand with how people of color have to like suffer or be miserable in movies. They can never just be happy. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, that was my biggest gripe. It was just so glaringly obvious. Even when I first saw this, which was probably circa 2008, I'm guessing, uh, even back then it was just bad. Yep. And, and as you said previously, but it bears repeating, never touch a black person's hair. Oh my god. Don't ask. The cringiest white person thing ever. Don't do it. Um yeah. I agree. I think that's the that's the number one. Well, I feel very strongly um that going into the last scene it should have been done completely differently. Mm-hmm. Like it, I feel that in a movie where we are progressing into new ideas and, and her involvement that um, the idea of trying CPR or someone having an EpiPen or something for poison control or overdose or something that, that could have been used to wake her instead of everyone standing around and taking turns kissing her um, I feel that there could have been a lot more done in that scene and to have instead of it being Nancy's voice that says go ahead and kiss her like she could have like in the end instead of it being true love's kiss that wakes her it becomes a decision that they kiss each other to solidify a union between it like a, a conscious decision um, after she's been woken from the, the poison and the attempt to kill her and then move on from it from there. Uh, that that part of it, I'm not over. I haven't forgiven it for that scene. I am very much against that scene. Um, and again, I feel like they could have done more with, uh, with the queen. I think they could have given her a story arc that was like, here's this naive girl who thinks that singing is all that's needed to be a princess and a queen and that she could have pushed her down the well because she didn't want her equally as naive and unprepared stepson to or son to be the one who is going to be taking over as king like neither of them is ready and I can't handle losing like having the whole country be reliant on these two idiots like let's have them go to new york to get some life experience and some education and see that maybe everything isn't happily ever after and go through a a growth and evolution there for that reason instead of just pushing her down the well because she's a woman who is going to threaten her crown and age like i think i just think there's so much more they could have done there um in a way that still would have been fun and still would have like kept the disney feel to it but let all of the characters 
grow and become more and move into a new age and not just the princess slightly moving in to a new age of herself. So those are my, my two biggest um, gripes outside of what Melissa has already said about there not being enough diversity, especially in like, if, if all of this had happened in Salt Lake City, fine, fucking fine. Like we suck as a city and there's not much diversity and not, not even fine, but like it would have been well, more understandable that there were only white people there or very few, like, because we suck. But in New York City, where there is so much, and obviously that's why we don't do movies in Salt Lake City, because we suck. But it shouldn't have been um, only white people in in these major roles, and to have the divorcees and the bus driver be the people of color. That was garbage. So Yeah. Uh, those are my studio notes for for this movie. I would just like to point out, though, that I think that even if a movie were to be set in Salt Lake City, like, there's a sizable enough Latino and Pacific Islander population that it would not be okay for it to be all right. That's true. For it to no, be all right. I didn't mean it would be all right. I just meant... Yeah. I said you're that like, very oh. poorly, so I'm sorry. Yeah, no. No, well, I but I, I get what you're saying, but I'm all, what, I think what I'm trying to say on top of that is that it's, Still like... It's still like even Salt Lake is diverse enough that it's inexcusable that in the year 2022, like mm -hmm. to be like, oh, every major player in this in this cast is white. Like that's that's ridiculous. We can do better. We can do better. So, yeah. And I think um, everyone's got mine. The only thing I would change is I think they really missed an opportunity because this is 2007 you get rid of Patrick Dempsey and you replace him with Adam Sandler and then your soundtrack becomes even better because you have lots of cheesy wedding songs <laughs> hey everybody knows this song but me um, uh, Keanu Reeves also very popular in 2007 where's my Keanu Reeves take that Patrick Dempsey um you know, Keanu would have been really interesting. I want, I want someone role. with a... If you're going to have somebody who's fairly yeah. flat as a character, at least give give them someone who has kind of like that inner depth, like a Keanu or somebody who just radiates something a little more meaningful. Um, again, I think Melissa's point, and, and, and Brooke, as you mentioned, you, you just need to diversify the whole thing because this is New York we're talking about. It's ridiculous. Um, but I, I would definitely have wanted someone besides Patrick Dempsey especially and I mean Keanu was my first thought but I did go the Adam Sandler Will Ferrell route for a minute like oh I wonder if that would have brought some life to I, you love Adam no. Sandler no did you did you did you see the fucking Halloween movie We've been pixels Stop it. pixels too enchanted um but no I oh, I, I think I think you I think <laughs> I love how you're all just grossed out. I, I think um, that that was my uh, above what everybody else has said, which are all much better points. Um, get get rid of him, and I mean even Matt Damon's popular back then. There's at least Matt it wasn't Ben Stiller. Yeah. You make me feel sick, dude. You seriously. don't like Matt Damon either? No, wow. but I mean rude. 
Well, I, I do think, though, that if you are going to replace one person in this movie and replace them with a person of color. That's the perfect I think yeah. that's the role. Yeah. That's one of the roles where you do that. And and there's plenty of incredibly handsome uh, black and Latino men or Asian men who could be put in. So they could have brought in Idina Menzel's husband. Yeah. Who at the time, it Tay Diggs. I was just like thinking, can Idris Elba sing? Maybe they could have gotten Chuel Ejiofor because he was fantastic in Kinky Boots. That would have that would have changed so much. Like if the the divorcing couple was there with a lawyer who was also a person of color, and it's more reference. Like that would have changed so much of those scenes for me. Yeah. Well, and it's. I think it's just because the the whole problem is that Patrick Dempsey's character is yeah. such a placeholder. Like all yeah. he does is react and kind of go along in the movie. He's. Yeah. I'm not gonna say he's the Indiana Jones where if he wasn't in the movie, the same things would have happened because obviously, this is a romantic comedy, but. Yeah. But I think you. But you could have had you know someone in there. Tay Diggs is another is another good example, but I mean, Where's, what's so Bardem doing in two thousand seven? I mean, I put Bardem in everything. Interesting. Though, so it's because I love. I don't know. I, I I think he has a weird energy. I don't know. Well, two thousand seven isn't this? Um, no, I guess I guess this is like a year or two after um, No Country for Old Men. So oh. that would have been weird though to sort of have him in. But yeah, anyway, there's there's lots of options and I think that's the one person who it's easy to replace and, and uh, I mean, you could, concept. yeah, I, 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 that that's my one thing again. Yeah. You could, there, there's a lot you could do and um, that character especially though needs to be revamped. So that's a great yeah. one. Tate Diggs is, yeah. I mean, that's a great call too. Just for the smile. So... Mm. <laughs> I like how Kit and I made like the same noise at the same time. We're just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Kit, I think I know you had some pretty involved studio notes that you wanted to lay on. So, I will try not to be the 17 point plan. But, no. by the Come way, on, it runs in the family. We need that version too. <laughs> no, nothing, um, nothing will beat me. So go ahead. Okay. So um, going back to what. Brooke was saying, I think having the the bad the bad guy, or I mean, if you're going to have it be the evil queen, give it a reason. Like, you know, if if she loses her uh, her crown, then she loses her superpowers, and so she's deeply insecure about losing her superpowers. Like, you know, that would be that would be really crappy. If I were an all powerful witch, I would not want to go to just being like a normal, unpowerful, and like dismissed old old lady. Um, but my main thing was that uh, there's, there even in these so-called feminist uh, situations in YA and in other fiction aimed especially toward women, there's this sense of competition between 
between the, the female characters. Like we're competing for men, we're competing for jobs, we're competing for status, who's the most pretty, who's the most talented, who can sing the, the best and get all the roaches to clean their apartment. Um, and I wish that instead of a shopping montage, which paints, you know, this vapid irresponsibility on Giselle, who has kind of shown that she can be regularly independent and she can build community and help people. I wish that uh, she had shown up to the building and Nancy and I'm just going to say Idris Elba. Nancy and Idris Elba had been there planning out what they were going to wear to the ball and looking at, you know, stores online and, and Nancy ha having very definitive ideas about their looks because she's a fashion designer. And Giselle being like, oh, I'm going to the ball too. I came over to tell you. And then they go to Nancy's studio and Giselle makes Nancy's dress and Nancy makes Giselle's dress. But it also they make Patrick Dempsey's outfit. Of course, like Edward is like, no, I'm good. I, I look handsome all the time in what I'm wearing. And uh, so they, they make Dempsey's outfit and Morgan an outfit and everybody has an outfit. Um, and so then the, bo the boys get kind of shooed out and go watch, I'm just going to say basketball because it just seemed like something you would do while you're waiting to go to a ball is go watch a sports game with your dudes and have a beer. Um, and so that Idris Elba and Prince Edward could have a moment where they talk about what their roles are either as a prince or as a father and like, what they love about their partners, but also to have them get that these aha moments that it's like Edward doesn't really know Giselle and he's starting to realize that now and have have, you know, Idris Elba in the place of Patrick Dempsey have the same realization about Nancy. Um, and so then they go to the ball after the girls get their glow up. And the girls arrive together and the guys arrive together and everybody's all like, oh, you look so pretty. Um, and, but also like in the context of, of them having this, this like team building exercise of cosplay building, well, sorry, not cosplay building, but like gown building. Um, I feel like that would give an opportunity for Adina Menzel and Giselle to have a song about how they're not in competition, that they're on each other's team, that, that, you know, if, you know, maybe they're on team Morgan because they both love Morgan and, you know, her family and want the best for her. Or they, they realize it's like, I'm not competing with you to get this guy. And you're not competing with me to get this guy. I'm, you know, we're, we're on each other's team and we rise together. Um, and so I would have loved a musical number like that where Adina Menzel could really bring her like, you know, full power to the screen. Um, and then I, I originally thought that the final act plays out as written, but I was like, I'm still, I like, I like Brick's version better um, where you don't have to have all that nasty stepmom energy or maybe just like hey we've grown up we've changed our minds and now we're gonna now we're gonna sing and dance about it um and you know cartoon reality bends our reality and things are somehow you know made 
smarter and better through the use of people using their words um, rather than, you know, falling off the Empire State Building or accidentally eating poison apples and, you know, not being able to give consent to true love and stuff. I love it. I love all of it, especially the the song idea. Again, it's like a yeah, why you have uh, the the incredibly talented Adele Dazim in here and don't give her anything to sing. That's just how dare you. So, um all right, any other studio notes? So, okay. I thought there was some classism in here. Uh, mm-hmm. And the thing is, New York City is always going to be problematic for that, you know, because it, it, it's so expensive to live there. And, um, you know, it, it's especially Manhattan, you're always going to have, a, you know, a lot of classism. But there was a scene towards the end when they were getting ready for the ball where they just took the credit card, remember, and just started oh, yeah. charging up everywhere and and all this stuff. And that just felt really icky. Like it it just added to the classism that was so obvious. And of course the classism bleeds into racism as well and, and, and into the fact that there aren't a lot of people of color in here because people of color tend to earn less money um not have as many opportunities and perhaps and and historically have been kept out of buildings like the one that that mcboring (laughs) lives in right because you have to like apply you know you have to put in an application with the co-op and go through interviews and get approved and and historically they don't let a lot of non-white people you know even if they do have income into those types of buildings right so that whole scene, I know it was supposed to be like, like Disney aspirational, I guess you could say, you know what I mean? Because Disney wants you to go spend a bunch of money like that, especially yeah. on your own stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so it's just this kind of uh, capitalist culture bullshit that, that felt very classist, especially because of the New York City setting. Um, and, and they paint Giselle as this innocent, but but then have her doing that. It just felt wrong and and icky. And uh, I don't know if anybody else picked up on that. Yeah, totally. And I mean, yeah. I, I, I think I, I, that's like very very Disney again to be like, well, this is just like morally neutral or even perhaps aspirational. That like, oh, yeah, you know, what it means to be happy is to go out and to be able to, like, buy a bunch of things and be mm-hmm. very materialistic. And, and that's how you bond right. with your daughter, yeah, right? Like, right. Exactly. Yeah. And I know JB and I, our, our good friend, Dr. Ammon Allred, who was on our uh, Robin Hood episode, and I think he talked about this a little bit. Like, he doesn't generally like his kids watching a lot of Disney stuff, not not for any any other message except for like the very like vapid commercialization especially in like the sweet life of zach and cody or iCarly or you know whatever else you might find on the disney channel and 
that's like absolutely 100% true. And I, I completely yep. agree, Melissa, like that. It does yeah. feel kind of egregious here. Yeah. And, and also it's the women spending the money and having so much fun doing it because of course, you know what I mean? Because of course women. It, 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 yeah. Women just take their men's credit card and go have a ball, right? That's that old, like Ralph Cramden era type of bullshit stereotype about women. And I just. Well, as though Patrick Dempsey's suits aren't like several thousand dollars and yeah. he isn't you know driving around in car service cars like you know like mm -hmm. he's yeah but that's never you know it never seems like quite so glamorous it's like oh that's just he just is he just is rich so it's okay yeah, Whereas, nobody it's, wants it's, a montage of you know men right. putting on the same boring suit in two different right. colors right they want right I mean, it reinforces their merchandising plan, too, though. Like, in the book Cinderella Ate My Daughter, it's very much about the manicure culture, the spa day culture that mothers are creating with their children about, oh, I'm going to be just like Cinderella, or I'm going to go to the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. or and, and their culture is when you go into the Disney store, you buy a makeup kit, or you buy a vanity mirror or the dresses or the different things and so this particular part of the movie not only are they doing those things on the big screen and having it be the emergency credit card but they're also reinforcing that hey when you go to the disney store you too can buy all of this merchandise and it's there's so much more between a mother and a daughter than shopping and so that scene where morgan asks her or when she says, isn't it, is it fun shopping with your mother? And both of them are like, I don't know. And you have this really tender moment of, oh, you didn't get to go shopping with your mother? Uh, how about you didn't get to read a book with your mother? Or you didn't get to, like, have a tea party with your mother? Or, like, so many other things that could have been that moment. And they chose to make it about the spa day. And I felt like that was kind of criminal. I mean, the only time I went shopping with my mom as a girl was to the grocery store to use our food stamps. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like something right. like that is not going to end up in this movie. Yeah. And um, yeah, but that whole sequence just like, I was like, oh, Jesus, you know, um, same old Disney, you know? Yep. Yep. Smart. Yep. Reinforcing their and own you, products. But, yep. but and you do need an emergency card for those prices anymore. Good heavens. Those <laughs> like I can't even imagine how oh much God, money the they merch spent. Prices like, now are ridiculous. Oh Maybe they were better in 07, but you definitely need the spare credit card, I guess. I uh, one of those spa treatments is probably more than the entire credit limit on all my credit yeah, cards. I could you not like probably. Oh, oh no, that's an exaggeration, but still, probably the limit on one of them. But still, I'd like you know that they, they, they just. A normal human couldn't justify spending that kind of money. And, and of course, they're doing it in preparation for, like, men. You know, at, at least if they were doing it for themselves, it'd be okay. But they're prepping for a ball where they're hoping, yep. you know what I'm saying, to, to right. like, have their happily ever after or whatever. You know, at least do it for yourself. It's, ugh. Yeah. Especially after Princess and the Frog where she's like, we don't, we're not going to wish on stars anymore. We have to make it happen for ourselves with the Fairy Godmother credit yeah. card company. Right. Yeah. 
That's a well, lot of evolution. Which well is the frog wasn't a huge success, right? So right. I feel like this is Disney once again reverting to the mean. And and, and mm-hmm. I think I, I brought this up once before and I forget between which two movies. It might have been like Alice in Wonderland was so weird and different and it didn't succeed at first. And so they just went back to what worked. You know what I'm saying? In the next movie, it was very formulaic. This isn't completely formulaic, but they're they're trying to split the difference here. And it it only works sometimes. Exactly. I mean, the like I said, I, this is the ultimate Disney trying to have their cake and eat it too. They're winking at you like, see, we're kind of progressive, but also same old, same old, same old. I just, and I don't know, that sounds very negative and I really love this movie but like i recognize that it is i want to see a princess sit down and have a beer with her friends and fucking and eat some french fries i want them to melt then you need to watch critical role (laughs) seriously seriously uh cannot i cannot uh um i cannot endorse anything more than critical role which I'm just absolutely in love with. Um, I yeah. If anybody likes Dungeons and Dragons, it is uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, message me and Kit, and we'll tell you all about why you should watch Critical Role. Lots of fun. Um, uh, and Brooke, especially if you have a thing for redheads, um, definitely, uh, definitely. I feel like. I feel like I think Kit and I both mentioned this that like you would really like Keyleth. Um, she's a uh, she's really great. So I will I will do that. Thank I want to say that in campaign one they have two princesses and they all kick ass and do drink a lot of beer and have shopping episodes sometimes, but there is a lot of like junk food and you know it's great. Yeah. Now I just want beer and jalapeno poppers. And then, That's where I'm at. and then, and then, season two is like no princesses, but like definitely lots of beer and pastries and <laughs> uh, and non-binary women and bi lesbian women and yeah, yeah, they try to get more progressive. Gay men, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. It's wonderful, great stuff, great, great stuff. Anyway, Critical Role, go check it out. Okay. Um, Best one-liners or quotes? Okay, this one's... Oh, go ahead. No, go you, go ahead. Oh, so... I don't know why it tickled me so much, but, like, Prince Edward stabs the bus, (laughs) and then he's like, the steel beast is dead, peasants, I said you all... (laughs) That part is wonderful. Brooke, did you have I was just going to ask if the charades counts as a one liner because that was my favorite. <laughs> uh, yes, that's mine too. That's mine too. No, thank you. It's good. 
okay. Everything <laughs> um, is a chipmunk. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you feel you would die without me. Yeah, it's wonderful. That's the best. Uh, You've known him one day? <laughs> yes. I like that part. <laughs> Sums up my marriages. <laughs> 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 it was part of the first song. Like, oh, we're getting married tomorrow morning. <laughs> yes. It's like, wow, this is set in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> Lips are the only part they touch. <laughs> what? I like that. I don't know. Um, any, now any... I have a vision of Edward and Giselle doing the soaking thing. <laughs> oh, no. Floating no. down the Provo. No. <laughs> I, I apologize. It's lips are the only things that touch. I said parts that, that made it super creepier. creepy, but I like, how, I like your presentation. <laughs> That's the key. <laughs> Sorry for giving you that visual, Melissa. <laughs> My bad. Sometimes I learn things on this podcast I didn't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> We've gone from soaking to Mormon swinging to... Boy. Soft swinging. Soft swinging. All right. Every time I'm in the produce department, uh, you bastards come down, to mind. Upside down pineapple. <laughs> Make sure it's upright, Melissa. That's rule number one. Don't flip your pineapple unless you mean it. <laughs> Andy, shout out to uh, shout out for the he knows the song too line. Just because oh, I feel like yes. that's what I say in every Disney movie. Like, oh, of course that guy knows the song that just came off screen. Of course, yeah. but no, everything with Artie is by far the most entertaining and unsuspecting part of this movie. Uh, I love that part. <laughs> Artie's great. Yeah, I wish I could uh, get me one of them too. You know what I mean? <laughs> Artie is great. I want to. I want to do Brooks line in that now. Hey, lips are the only parts that aren't supposed to touch. <laughs> That's Artie. <laughs> See, now it's way creepier, Brooke. <laughs> Thank you. I want the. I want the Artie and Pip. Uh, non-toxic masculinity power hour with just them being like <laughs> total bros but they're like feminist allies they're like yo uh, I really I really like it when a woman is like uh, independent you know what I'm saying like she doesn't need me around she's just she, she's got everything going on and that's great and I'm there to support her let's go watch Critical Role together I hear it's really good <laughs> my right. favorite part is when I'm vulnerable. <laughs> That's my new favorite quote of this movie. <laughs> that was so oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, best side character. I mean, JB, I think, is voting for oh, Artie. Artie. But, yeah, and or, yeah. Oh my gosh, both of them. So good. Pip. Pip. Pip is so great. I love Pip. Um, yeah, Pip's my vote. I still understand the whole clamps on the hanger in the closet thing. That was... Oh, was ouch. Oh, that brought that was... back, oh, like, yeah. bad nipple clamp nightmares. Yep. Uh, fuck, I'm were sorry. they thinking? There's always, in every Disney movie, 
there's always that one what the fuck moment, right? Like, you look at it and you're like, kids are supposed to be okay with it. Like, what? And I <laughs> that was it for me. Like, I was like, okay, this is sort of like how the wands in Harry Potter look like. Babies. <laughs> like, something way too I finally have a reason to watch those movies again. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I was like, am I the only one who sees that? Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm like anal beads, dude. <laughs> what shooting out of your anal beads? <laughs> okay. I hope you remove them first before anything came out of it. doctors, so-called Sonic screwdriver. <laughs> but there's uh-huh. always something like overtly or just plain sexual that not appropriate for kids and and that you know maybe i'm reading too much into it but that's the first place my mind went to brooke is like mm-hmm. like the disney fight version of nipple claps uh probably that survived from the original yeah, r-rated so much for, so much for, for <laughs> I think they, I think they just really wanted to establish that Pip was the savior, and so they had to crucify him. But they didn't dare nail him down, so they had to use something like less prominent. <laughs> so are we calling? Him Mc, yeah. Are we calling? Are we going to call him McJesus or McStockholm? Oh no! But Pip is the Pip is, is the, the savior. Very, yeah. He, everybody yeah. thought he died, and then he came back and saved everybody. Yeah. Pip, best side character. Okay, best song. Mm. Central Park song. That's how you know that you love her. Yeah, that's my favorite song. Yeah. I love... That's how I like... You know. I, Mardston's is pretty good. Um... What his, all yeah, of the songs I mean, are good. It's, I like the Carrie Underwood one too. I mean, for the the popular one, but yeah, they're all infinitely hummable. So, mm-hmm. although the troll singing is probably one of my favorite one-liners, <sighs> so that makes it a pretty good song too. My favorite bit from the songs is when he's like, "I've been dreaming of true love's kiss." And he jumps off the bridge and gets run over oh, by yeah. all the bicycles. <laughs> 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 One of my favorite parts of the whole movie. <laughs> it's like he sees her down the road, and then he like, "Oh, Giselle!" and he like bites his fist, and then yeah, right before he—that's like the entire movie like wrapped up into one into one thing and it's why James Marsden is so good in this movie. Yeah, he's an underrated yeah. actor, I think. Like he he, he really sold this. This was he was so good in this. Mm-hmm. And he's really good in most of the things he does. I just think like he's got that pretty corn fit Iowa like <laughs> all American look and so people you know, even me, I, I dismiss those feeling like, oh they can't be pretty and smart. You know what I mean? That but it's not fair, you know, but he seems like he's a really smart actor. I mean, he's been in some shitty movies, but it wasn't him that was shitty in them. It's just, you know, most rom-coms these days are shitty, you know? Right. Um, but uh, but he's always really good. Like, he was really good in the first season of Westworld. 
and I hear he's coming back, yeah. which I kind of lost interest yeah. in that show, but but I kind of want to finish it just for completion's sake. Like, you know what I mean? Like, even mm-hmm. a bad book, I'll usually read to the end just because I want to finish it. Um, but he's surprisingly good at so many things, and this is probably my favorite thing he's ever been in because it, it really is, he, he just sells it, you know what I mean? He so, really does. I agree. Yeah. I was in the middle of typing another thought to you guys, and that bicycle scene, I laughed so hard at it that I interrupted my own typing <laughs> thought with laughter. Like, I couldn't finish my own thought and just started typing, ha 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 ha, because it was so funny. <laughs> it really was fucking brilliant. So good. Okay. We've had a lot of, of criticisms here, but is this a good movie? Yeah. 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 Yes. Guilty pleasure, but hell yeah. 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 I, I like-, <laughs> like with Top Gun Maverick, I really enjoyed it, and I'm not so sure why I enjoyed it as much as I did, but I really liked it. Yeah. I I will say of this era of Disney trying to like make its corrections, this is my this is my favorite movie of, of this era. So um I yeah. Cards on the table. I really like this movie. Uh, even for all the complaining I've done about it. Um, is the main character by which I will say that's Giselle. Is she a good person? Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah, yeah she's a good person. Naive, but good. Um, should we show this to children? Yeah. Yeah. I did. <laughs> Hundreds of times. <laughs> I feel like there's just not yeah I was like there's you know I would say there's not a lot of alternatives but in in 2009 there were definitely not so many great alternatives now there's so much more media coming out like exponentially more media coming out than there you know ha- was at that time you know mm-hmm. or when we were kids so yeah it's like I don't I don't like I was like, I don't know. Would I show this to children? I'm like, yeah, probably. I feel like, I feel like we need <laughs> to revise the question to: Did we show it to children? And if so, should we have shown it to children? Because I feel like, I feel like a lot of children <laughs> end up watching these when we get on the podcast, right? So, should we have done that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would say yes. Unlike Watcher in the Woods. Yeah. Which I have regretted right. for many years. Or man, or manhunter. <laughs> Whoops! Don't walk in on me when I'm watching this. <laughs> well, hey, Brooke, you've got um, another. I, how long until the next like big eclipse? Isn't there one in 2024? I'm never showing it to her again. I traumatized her. So it was have, a bad decision. You have to think about the next movie to show on the next eclipse that will be either equally as traumatizing or not as traumatizing. Decide what route you want to go. Do you want to... All parents so, out there, it's a bad idea. Don't do it. Don't don't let your kids watch Watcher in the Woods. Bad not idea. when they're fucking five. Not when they're five. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Um, so next week, uh, we are... We are a little we're we're in a, a new phase here with Tangled. Brooke, I'm sorry. I know you hate this movie. 
So, um, we will get to talk about that uh, next week and all the reasons you hate it. But um, <laughs> have, have there been sequels of it? Three, I think, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Oh, they kept going. They made sequels and an animated series. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure. Before oh, yeah. after, then there was like Tangled Ever After, right? Aren't, isn't there some cross? Yeah. Stop it. Does she? Does she have the fucking fire frying pan in each one? I believe so. Yes. All right. I I'm prepared. I am. I am properly prepared. Yeah. So here we go. Tangled. Uh, next week. Um. So, but thanks. This was this was a great time. Um, hope everyone enjoyed watching Princess Giselle as much as I did, although I doubt because I I love this movie so much. Uh, but until next week, um, have a great time. We'll we'll see you then. Bye, all. Floating down the pro Thank you, that will be all. God damn it, that's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. Then all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye. This show is part of the Geek Nerd Network. Geek Nerd Network. Find more shows like it at geeknerdnetwork.com. This is Janet.